Welcome to the Memora Healthcare Delivery Podcast. Through conversations with industry leaders and innovators, we uncover ways to simplify how patients and care teams navigate complex care delivery. Hey, everybody, this is Monif here from Memora Health, founder and the CEO. Very excited to have JD Whitlock on from Dayton Children's today. JD, if you want to introduce yourself, feel free to. Uh, sure thing. Thanks for having me on, Manap. Uh, so I am CIO at Dayton Children's. Been here a little under five years. Been in healthcare uh, over 25 years, about 20 of that on the IT side. Started out in military healthcare, doing accountable care before it was cool. And uh, so I'm always looking how how we how can we actually execute accountable care on the private sector side. And uh, Dayton Children's, we have our about 50% of our uh, patients are on Medicaid, and we've got uh, them in an accountable care arrangements. And so, you know, what does that look like going forward? How do we how do we transition our care models and our analytics and our IT support to to better enable accountable care? So that's the short version. That's great. And and what's kind of the story? Like, how did what's the the journey that takes somebody from you know actually being in you know, the military to part of the military healthcare system to Dayton specifically? Like what, what drew you to Dayton Children's? Sure. So I, well, what got me into Dayton was the U.S. Air Force. There's a Wright-Patterson Air Force Base here, uh, which is the head of headquarters of the Air Force Material Command and the Air Force Research Lab. And there's actually an incredible amount of innovation that's that's going on here tied to the Air Force Research Lab and a lot of super smart people working on incredible things. And there's also the, um, it's a, a, a military unit called the um, Human Performance Wing, where the Air Force is trying to figure out how do we do better in healthcare and, and, and sort of uh, human performance generally, uh, innovation around that as part of the Air Force Research Lab. So it's an exciting community to be a part of. I'm uh, privileged to be on the board of a, of a uh, small company called Ascend Innovations, which is owned by the local health systems. And part of what Ascend Innovations tries to do is take some great ideas that come out of both the Air Force Research Lab and the local healthcare community. And um, what, what does that look like for commercializing some of these good ideas? And they've they have over time built up some some good expertise on the data science side, and so it's just a it's a it's a for a small city it's not obviously Dayton's not a big city but it sort of punches above its weight in terms of uh, what's what's going on here in in science technology and, and healthcare so fun community to be a part of. No, that that's awesome, and I you know maybe like seven eight years ago I had a chance to visit Dayton and go to like the Air Force Museum and all and. It's a cool town. So, you know, you've had a chance to see healthcare from a bunch of different lenses and obviously like operating inside of a military healthcare system versus operating inside a children's hospital versus operating inside of a a larger system like Mercy that you were at before looks dramatically different. Having been in all of those different types of, you know, just care delivery organizations, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen care delivery as a whole or just all care delivery organizations or healthcare as an industry go through over the last, call it five, seven, 10 years? Any big takeaways or themes that you've seen? Uh, let's see, big takeaways and themes. 
So what's exciting to me is with the, the progress with interoperability in the EHR app stores. So with so I'm we're Epic, so I'm familiar with the Epic App Orchard. I know there's equivalent on the on the Cerner side, and some of the other larger EHRs also have app stores. What's transformational about that is it used to be if you if, if there is a small innovative company that was going to do something better for your patients, you were you were really rolling the dice with you 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 would get to the point of contracting with a company and then you would find out later that the amount of effort required for the interfacing was twice as big as the, whatever you paid for the licensure for the software. And then you would burn and it would take you in an, a year to get something implemented. And so with the EHR app stores, it's that, that's gotten a lot better. Uh, and, and in Epic World recently, it's now an app market, and it actually tells you, or <laughs> is this a uh, what stage of maturity is this app in? So you can have some assurance that if you like what you see in a demo, that you will actually actually be able to relatively quickly implement that and integrate that into your clinical workflow. So that is still all maturing, but if you're asking me some of the bigger things that's changed in the last few years, I would say that's that's one of the biggest things. Now, that's been helped by some of the you know, government regulations uh, pushing forward on for interoperability, you know, to, to uh, eliminate information blocking. So the combination of that and all the venture capital going into a lot of, a lot of digital health has enabled some great innovation. Doesn't mean that it's easy. It just means that it's more feasible than it has been in the past. Yep. Yep. Uh, 100%. And, and do you feel as if, I'd love your perspective on like, do you feel as if things like the app market and for Cerner, the app gallery and, and code program and all of that have, at least on your side of the table, made it easier to be able to find and vet tools? So when you have a specific, let's say, competency that you need filled, or you're looking for a certain set of vendors, do you feel like you're going to the app market to actually search for vendors or or do you feel as if it's much more of a after the fact after you may have found a vendor checking to see if they've been through that process to make sure that they can integrate it's it's absolutely both of those situations so if i'm talking to a vendor today one of the, not maybe not the first question the first question is does the demo look good do we want this thing right but at the end of the demo if that's something that we're excited about, then one of the first questions is, are you on the App Orchard? Where are you on the App Orchard? Have other Epic customers already implemented you successfully on the App Orchard? And is that a, give us some kind of guarantee that that integration effort is going to be easier. I have also searched on the App Orchard for particular functionality. In other cases, we know we want something and so i'm 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 searching on on the app market for vendors that do a particular thing so yes that's absolutely worked both ways that's great and and maybe what happens in a case that you don't find a, a particular functionality on there right like let's say there's a set of tools that you are, are looking to invest in but you don't find it on there how have you thought a little bit around that plus a little bit around consolidation just because i know one thing that we hear from a lot of health systems is that there's there's so much momentum right now around new tools that are starting to 
appear around making the process for delivering care easier. So you'll see cases where inside of organizations, you have pockets of physicians that have adopted their own tools, right? And then you'll have some enterprise-wide decisions that have been made. And then you'll have you know, a different pocket of executives that may be looking at a different set of tools, but some of that functionality may already exist. So I'd love your perspective on, on how do you kind of bring all of that together, right? Is, is the app market or like the best way that you're kind of calling out which tools you should and should not invest in long-term? How are you centralizing what the enterprise-wide approach is? Yes, we are definitely centralizing. So one of blessing and the curse of being in a smaller health system, and we're on the smaller end of Epic customers, is that we don't have money to toss around. So we can only spend our pennies on things that we're reasonably certain are going to be a smart move from from an ROI perspective. Now, sometimes that ROI is soft ROI, not hard ROI. We know it's better for our patients. We know it's better for patient experience. We know it's better for for our own staff's experience. We, We may still invest in these things, but we don't have the problem of, you know, being this humongous health system with 50 hospitals where you have people trying to do things in different states, you know, uh, in, in, in different ways. So the downside is we don't have a whole lot of money to toss at innovation. The good thing is we generally have our governance in place. So we're not trying to go three different directions at once. hundred uh, percent. And maybe related to that, what are the big things that you're spending time on? What are your big priorities or big, maybe digital areas and, and just IT areas that you're investing in right now? Sure. So everybody's talking about uh, digital front door appropriately, right? Because everybody knows they got this good experience when they go to their bank. Why can't they have the same experience when they go to their healthcare provider? I would say we're doing a an okay job there. We did a nice job getting open scheduling on our website. You can go to Dave website. You get your schedule. You can schedule yourself an appointment with one one of our pediatric specialists, and we'll, we will figure out the referral part later. And I know a lot of health systems had difficulty doing that. We, we implemented that pretty well. However, we, are, we have a ways to go in, in some of the some areas that I know other health systems are a little ahead of us in terms of, you know, uh, AI-assisted chatbots on the, on the website and in the call center to get you efficiently to the right help or including some triage in some cases which really accountable care organizations should be doing triage, right? Get you to the right level of care. So, and and making sure that you are, when you are searching for a provider, you are leveraging all the best technology in terms of what exact, I'm looking for a provider that does this exact thing, that performs this exact procedure, that takes this insurance that's in this area, you know, really, and then technology can support all that, right? But some of the, some of these things are not things that our EHR does. You do need to bolt on some digital front door tools. And so I'd say we're about halfway in our journey there. We, we could do a little better there. Let's see some, some other things. Everyone's talking about remote patient monitoring. It's another area where the technology is not the limiting factor. It's who's going to buy the hardware. Right. For the remote patient monitoring, and oftentimes in a, particularly in pediatrics or you know asthma and, and diabetes are big, but we have as many uh, you know rescue inhalers and spirometers and glucometers as we do payers. So the payers decide which model to buy, and so we have it. Uh, we have a, a, a too many of those, and it's sort of difficult to get all that 
integrated when you when each pair has a, has has different hardware. It's interesting when you see people when you read about people being successful with that. When you dig down, a lot of times it's a research study. They got some they got a grant to buy some hardware for. So the technology is there with you know with remote monitoring, this Bluetooth, talking to your phone, talking to some awesome SaaS app someplace that integrates with the EHR. But getting that deployed at scale for all your patients, so your provider staff just has one platform to look at, that is that is very challenging. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. And and maybe like related to that. So one of the themes that I think we've taken away is that investing in things like digital front door, investing in things like remote monitoring, are all part of this broader theme of healthcare becoming more and more asynchronous and becoming more and more longitudinal and making it so that there's just much more digitally enabled processes across the board that support that trend. And I think one of the big things that, one of the big reasons why healthcare is becoming more asynchronous or more longitudinal is because of value-based care initiatives that, that have started to be introduced, right? And because of the concept of accountable care. That being said, for all the discussion that happens around accountable care, in reality, the large majority of care that's delivered is still in fee-for-service structures. So what is your perspective, having specifically spent a lot of time around that, on why you think the adoption and and just kind of rollout of accountable care and and value-based care initiatives has been low? Yes. So that that is a great question. And I think the answer is complex and multifactorial. One of the things is that Health systems need to, even in a shared savings agreement, which when we talk about value-based care, most of the time we're still talking about shared savings, right? And what that means is if you are successfully reducing acute care utilization and keeping, keeping patients healthier and out of the hospital and out of the emergency department, well, that's good. That's good for the patient, obviously. But you're typically in in the ACOs that are that are health system sponsored that are hospital ultimately hospital system sponsored. You're not actually making money doing that. You're losing less money <laughs> on the patients that are not coming to your hospital and your emergency department, right? And so that is a little bit difficult for the health systems, in, in particularly in difficult financial times, as 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 we see. If you if you're paying attention to the Trade press, it's one story after another of uh, health systems just bleeding money today. You know, it, 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 is, it is challenging to do when, when you're even in a value-based care environment, doing the right thing for patients and investing in new technology and new operational processes, it's the right thing for the patient is, is ultimately still a money-losing thing. You know, it, it, takes a, it takes a lot of enlightened leadership to, to go after some of the, some of those things. So we uh, we are we are still doing some of those things at at Dayton Children's, and I'm I'm proud that we're uh, that we're doing those things. But it is occasionally difficult to justify. Hey, let's go invest in this brand new thing that may or may not reduce acute care utilization down the road. Right? The, 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 those are tough decisions to make in, in hard financial times. Do you think that the core technology infrastructure that's needed for us to effectively implement and benchmark 
value-based contracts exist in health systems? So answering that question is a little complicated because I, so I've, I've got experience in the adult system. My, my previous gig with Mercy Health, now Bonscore Mercy Health, was right about the time that Medicare shared savings started back in 2011, 2012. So I saw that from the ground up. I know that's a, it's a delicate balance for the policymakers at CMS and CMMI to get things right, where they appropriately incentivize large health systems to do the right thing in value-based care, and at the same time, not actually save the taxpayers dollars, right? So is, our, is uh, once again, it, the technology is not the limiting factor. I would say 10 years ago, the technology was <laughs> sometimes the limiting factor, right? But with the evolution of population health platforms within the major EHR vendors and the evolution of interoperability to where we are today, where if you have a really good chronic care, chronic disease management application, you now can go to your providers and say, give me, give me my data out of my health record to put it into whatever platform, whatever your Apple Health or whatever your, your preferred platform is and your preferred application is, that the, you know, the, the interoperability technology is there today. So I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I just think it's, um, I think it's well, it's the old uh, turning the aircraft carrier analogy, right? It just takes a while to get things going. Cool. No, no, that's really helpful. So just the last question I have for you is, you, you've been in healthcare for quite some time and you've seen it from a lot of different angles. What gets you most excited for the next 10 years and, and sort of where we are right now and the amount of focus that there is on, on technology development in healthcare? Sure. So I think that, so building upon everything we just talked about with the, where we are now within our operability, which is, which is really a good place and the evolution of value-based care models, I, I think that some of this is just so complicated. It takes a little while to percolate through. And I think that there's, I, I see a lot of good ideas coming. I participate and I do some, uh, I do some consulting on the side. I do some uh, mentoring of startups. I do, uh, we're members of a, uh, Dayton Children's members of KidX, which is a pediatric digital health accelerator. There's a lot of great Great tools coming down the road, a lot of good venture capital investments. So I'm hopeful that in the next few years, we will see a lot of these things that will be easier to implement that than they have been in the past. Now they still need to make economic sense. Sometimes vendors ask for prices for things that are just don't make sense from an accountable care uh, perspective. So it still needs to make sense from an ROI perspective. But I am hopeful that uh, that a lot of these tools are going to be commercializable and implementable, where in the past they have they have not been. So that's that's what's hopeful from my perspective. That's awesome. Cool. Well, JD, thank you so much for coming on, and really appreciate the perspective, especially around some of the work that you've done in accountable care, and you know just your outlook on on sort of where we're headed. So appreciate all the time that that you spent with me, and and hopefully we'll chat again soon. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Nice to meet you, Manaf. Thanks for listening to the Memora Health Care Delivery Podcast. For more ideas on simplifying complex care for care teams and patients, visit memorahealth.com.